This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk This Morning. In a digital era dominated by a constant flux of sensitive data, the threat of cyber attacks continues to escalate, leading to a substantial financial repercussions. As projected by cybersecurity ventures, cybercrime could incur costs of $8 trillion this year, escalating to a staggering $10.5 trillion by 2025. The increasing prevalence of cyber attacks, particularly in Malaysia, where there is an average of $84 million cyber attacks per day, this is according to Banama, raises pressing concerns about the security measures that are in place here in Malaysia. Today, I'm privileged to have a conversation with Abbas Kudrati. He's Microsoft Asia's chief cybersecurity advisor to help me delve into some of these concerns. Uh, with his knowledge, we'll be looking at uh, some insights into the global and Malaysian cybersecurity landscape, the potential role of AI in fortifying security, recommended practices for organizations striving for robust resilience, particularly um, if you're an SME. Uh, also, we'll be talking about Microsoft's strategies to enhance regional cybersecurity, the growing prominence of things like zero trust security models and the company's innovative methods to combat advanced threats, things like uh, the cybersecurity assessment as well. I know, um, Abbas, you want to speak about. Uh, welcome to the show, first and foremost. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. Now, <clears throat> I'm throwing out numbers here where it says in Malaysia, an average of 84 million cyber attacks every day in the fourth quarter of 2022. Now, for me, can you put that into context? Because 84 million per day sounds like a ridiculously large amount. Is it though? It is a ridiculously large amount, as you said, <laughs> Richard. We are seeing globally approximately 1,000 attacks per second Wow! globally. So if you can translate that into Malaysia, yeah, attacks includes all type, right? We're talking about you know, distributed denial of service attack, the malware attack, the phishing yeah. attack, the password spray attack, what's happening. So this number, what you're talking about, it is a collection of all these various type of cyber right. threats which have been targeted towards Malaysia. And has this, do you think, increased over the last couple of years during the pandemic? It is constantly increases and there are many factors why it is increasing uh, either it's because of a, a political issue, a geopolitical issue, or because of some unrest happening in some European country, as we, as we know, Russia, yeah. Ukraine kind of a thing, yeah. or because of some new research or political agenda we have within the country, uh, which uh, uh, attackers want to target those research data and collect the intelligence gathering mm. from those countries. So it always varies. And the ranking of each country differs every quarter. So if I give an example, between January to March 2023, the top three countries in Asia were Japan, India, and uh, I believe the third one was... South Korea. Uh, they were the top three top, targets. Top three targets. Right. And Malaysia was among the lower third uh, among the all, all, all top tiers. Right, right, right. So it does differ. Every quarter we see a different country taking lead for some or other reason and some country will go down and the type of attack will differ. Even the attackers will differ. Right. 
So here, if you talk about in last uh, six months, what we have seen, uh, attacks mostly in Asia Pacific are from either North Korea, China, or Iran and Russia. And, and they have been proven to come from those. Yes. All right. This is not speculation. Not speculation because we monitor a number of nation state attack actors. And this right. is based on the threat intel which we capture uh, on a daily basis. Right. And with that in mind, then, um, how are Microsoft working to strengthen cybersecurity measures in, in, in this region, particularly in Southeast Asia? Yeah, so cybersecurity is kind of a joint responsibility. And we being a cloud provider, Microsoft is considered as a national critical infrastructure in many countries where the cloud adoption is very high. Yeah. And we follow the shared responsibility model. So depending upon the service which an organization is using, could be infrastructure as a service, which is IAS, or a platform as a service, PaaS, or a software as a service. Right. So the responsibility of end user or the organization differs from what cloud service provider takes it takes a responsibility. So in case of a SaaS, the highest number of responsibility or the bigger chunk of responsibility on security is on Microsoft. And customer has to only focus on the two elements which they own and manage. Number one, identity. Because yeah. you as a customer create your own identity, you have the full access and control in terms of do you want to enable multi-factor authentication. So yeah. it's completely on you. Yeah. Microsoft does provide a service that, yeah, we have MFA, please enable. We don't enable by default, which we which we do in many cases, but it's up to customer. Mm -mm. Second area which uh, customer owns the complete responsibility is the data. You create the data, you manage the data, you classify the data, you destroy the data completely under your jurisdiction and your control. Mm. Microsoft cannot touch your data right. without your explicit permission. Right, right. So it's a shared responsibility model, but we work with customers and organization as well as country to define this particular guardrail and continuously educate and help them in making sure that they use all the features which are provided by Microsoft by default. Yeah. And so they can enable it and protect them other areas of security as well. That kind of leads me on to, to the next question where at the beginning, the, the predictive cost of cybercrime is to hit uh, 8 trillion 2023 mm. is what we're hearing. Yep. Uh, 10.5 trillion by 2025. Now, um, how do you plan as, as an organization to help mitigate these financial losses? Is what you're telling me from what you just said before, really all you can do is advise your customers you have all of these security features yes. in place, but you have to activate them. Yes, based on the kind of service they use. Right. However, as I said, a lot of responsibility is on Microsoft to protect our customer as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, under the jurisdiction of all the compliance and privacy and regulatory requirement which we follow. Yeah. More than 250 such regulatory requirement which we have to abide through yeah. to provide service to our customer. Could be a regional, could be an industry specific, or could be an international one. So the cost which you're talking about is the cost of data breach. When the data has been stolen and being sold in dark web, what is the impact in a, a three-way, I call it, a three-way impact? Right. One way of impact, for example, I'll give you a simple example of a ransomware. We are seeing almost 7,500 organizations being targeted for ransomware on a daily basis globally, right? If your organization is targeted uh, against a ransomware attack, the organization state attack actor will come and ask you, pay us the money or we're going to uh, destroy your data or sell yeah. your data. Yeah. There's no guarantee that even if you pay, they will not sell it. Mm. So the first option is a single extortion, we call it, in which they ask you for the uh, demand the ransom. Second case, even you paid them, they will do a s double extortion kind of an attack. They have the data, they will still 
still go and sell it to the uh, dark web or competitor or other nation who are interested in the data. Mm. So that's called double extortion attack. In case of a triple extortion, which is another concept where if my uh, data is compromised, attackers will call me or message me saying that we have a data from so-and-so breach. You pay us some money, we will not release your data. Other data anyway, we're going to release it. So three way of individuals and organizations are targeted, single, double, triple extortion. So the amount you're talking about is a collection of these yeah. value. How much is the value of a credit card in, in your opinion today? I, I, I wouldn't know because it's not just <laughs> how much I've got in a balance. It's all my yes. data that's attached to it. Yeah. So simple credit card data can be purchased at $1.5 or $2 no. in, a, in a dark web. Wow. Can you guess which is the most costliest data on the dark web? Uh, social media data? No. No. What is it? Education data. Really? Education why, industry. Why, why is that? So education industry is the most targeted industry around the world and in Asia as well. A lot of universities have been targeted for various kinds of attack. Reason is uh, it started the trending what we saw during the COVID-19. All the universities were involved in the research of uh, vaccination. It started from there, but that trend did not stop. Mm. Trend continues because a lot of education uh, environments are uh, having a huge landscape uh, or open environment. So it is very easy for attackers to get inside a university and use that university environment to launch a second attack. As a springboard. A springboard kind yeah. of thing, yeah, as, as, a, as an environment. Second, because uh, they have the research data. A lot of universities are doing research on various activities, mm. either through on the nuclear missile, what we saw a couple of months back in Australia when the university was involved in some kind of a research on that. Uh, some other intelligence gathering, which they were doing as a part of their research. So research data is very costly on a dark web and gives you the maximum value followed by the healthcare data. Right. So credit card data is the least least value available on the dark web. the thing they care less about. Yes. And it's often the thing we care most about. <laughs> yes, we think oh, I should protect wow. my credit card. That's not what they're behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, now, um, Cyber Signals report, um, it mentioned a 78% increase in disclosures of high uh, severity vulnerabilities from 2020 to 2022. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit on the, uh, the actions that you're looking at to kind of address this concerning trend? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, attackers are using four basic techniques to target anyone. Yeah. The number one we see is uh, uh, using the mechanism of a phishing email or a social engineering, we call it. Which we hear a lot about. We hear a lot. Yeah. And customers don't secure their identities using a, a simple mechanism called multi-factor authentication. We keep saying that, yeah, identity-based attacks are constantly increasing. Password mm. spray attacks are constantly increasing. Second thing we notice is uh, online or exposed vulnerability. We saw in many examples, just colonial pipeline, where the VPN infrastructure was not hardened or un, uh, unpatched environment, and the attackers went inside the network and got it, yeah. including the unsecure APIs. We yeah. saw in the examples of a lot of uh, uh, attempt happened in Australia a couple of months back. Unpatched vulnerabilities which translates back to the ransomware. Finally, once the hacking or the phishing email has been sent, the URL has been clicked and identity is compromised. Once identity is compromised, it only takes two hours for an attacker to uh, navigate within the internal environment and take the data out. Mm. So we are talking hours, not even the weeks. And as you pointed out earlier, it takes almost on an average 90 days 
to detect that you are you already have adversities in your environment mm-hmm. sometimes it takes 180 days according to the latest ibm reports mm-hmm. uh, last year what they released it mm-hmm. so this is what we are fighting against the speed is what we uh, we are against the attackers and we need to really think about how can we detect these things quickly and protect our environment and defend our environment from the adversaries who has uh, unlimited resources unlimited uh, technology on behind them and good motive to make the money out of it or damage the individuals or the organizations of the country i think i have to take a deep breath abbas <laughs> and we'll take a short break on that note i'm in the studio of course with abbas kurati he's microsoft asia's chief cybersecurity advisor uh, we're delving into a whole bunch of uh, interesting aspects here prevalence of cyber attacks uh, According to Bonamo, 84 million cyber attacks every day in the uh, second quarter of 2022. But we are looking at strategies to enhance regional cybersecurity and some other stuff when we come back after these messages here on Tech Talk on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm in the studio with Abbas Kudrati, Microsoft Asia's chief cybersecurity advisor. Uh, we're looking at how in a digital era dominated by a constant flux of sensitive data, the threat of cyber attacks continues to escalate, leading to substantial financial repercussions. Um, now, I, I want to talk to you, uh, Abbas, about strategy and Microsoft mm-hmm. strategy in particular aligning with this global shift towards zero trust uh, mm-hmm. particularly in the context of stuff like IOT yep. can you explore with me a little bit about that yeah let's talk about zero trust yeah uh, please maybe if you're not aware I'm author of a zero trust book that's why I'm <laughs> wanting to talk to you <laughs> so uh, zero trust is my passion topic uh, I've been reading about a lot uh, for many years and I thought all the research what I have done as a part of my work with university and with Microsoft I thought I should share my opinion, uh, personal opinion, and all my research work into a book, which got translated into a book called Zero Trust Across Digital Journey, which is available on Amazon and many other bookstores. Zero Trust is all about the philosophy or the principles, the way we operate in. If you take one step back and look at uh, five, ten years back, when you come to your environment, you first connect your machine and then get authenticated and authorized. Today, we have flipped that scenario. Today, when you are trying to connect, you're working remotely. You have to first get authenticated and authorized first and then get connected. So we have flipped the scenario. We want to know about you first. Yes. We want to know who you are, where are you coming from, what access you have. A very simple example I give is about the airport. When you go and take a flight from uh, Malaysia to Australia, how many times you have been checked? Right. All the way until you sit on your defined seat in the aircraft, you are constantly being checked at every stage. Yeah. Do you have the right passport? Do you have the visa? Do you have the boarding pass? Do you have the correct seat? Do you have the meal voucher? Yeah, we have all yeah. those things, right? Yeah. Zero trust is the same concept. Always verify, trust no one. Yeah. So three principles of zero trust which organization has to implement today because of the way we are working, threats increases, remote locations and employees are no longer within the company's uh, brick and water office or a firewall. That's why we have to think about three core principles which Microsoft and NIST and Open Group talks about the same principle. 
first verify explicitly trust no one verify everyone every attempt to access the corporate resources or data or infrastructure has to be verified and explicitly verification once it is verified then you allow them to access what they are required for right right second concept or principle we have to think about is an assume breach you can no longer think that i will never get attacked you will get attacked today or tomorrow. You already have been attacked or you will be get attacked. So have that assumed breach mindset and develop your defense in depth methodology or approach that you have layered defensive control in your environment. If my first control fails, I have a second control. If there is no watchman on the ground floor, I have access pass to go to the lift, press the lift button. Yeah. If they does not, then I have somebody watching here asking me a question. As soon as I entered here in your office, a lady came and asked me, can I help you? Verified it. So have an assumed breach scenario in, in your uh, corporate uh, network that will put a layer of control, which could, if one thing fails, I have a second thing to block and uh, my damage. Yeah, yeah. Third principle we talked about, which is the biggest and the toughest one, is applying the least privilege model. You have to eliminate all administrator from your environment, which is the toughest one, but possible. That's a big decision for some, you know. Uh, it is. Why we are talking about that? Because attacks are on identity. They are not local targeting company firewall because you are not in the office. You are right. working from home. Right. What can be target? Instead of targeting your home network, they will target your identity. Yeah. And if you are one of the admin privilege, you have the super privilege on your identity, that's the end of story. Mm. So mm. you have to think about how can you implement or remove all the administrator from the the environment. We have done it as a Microsoft. It was a big project, but we have achieved it. Going to a complete passwordless scenario, and no one is in our environment have uh, privileged users. We created a second identity uh, with a privileged identity. We provide them a second device to do the privileged activity. So there are multiple approach you can do it. But these three principles, trust no one, verify everyone, assume breach, and least privilege is, is what you have to implement to achieve a zero trust in your environment. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I want to ask you about how SMEs would, would um, implement those three principles. Yeah, because absolutely. SMEs often are, um, well, they can be family-oriented, friends-oriented, everybody has access to everything, you know, mm -hmm. because that's how a lot of them operate, yes. right? Agreed. How would you kind of impress upon them the need for zero trust principles? When it could be your brother, uh, you know, uh, helping you out. It could be your friend helping you out. SMEs here in Malaysia, a lot of them are having difficulty becoming digital as it is, mm. you know, and, and already you're telling them if you do become digital, these are the things that you need to be aware of. What kind of conversations would you be having with these people? Yeah, I do uh, ping by a lot of friends who are running a small boutique company and saying that, what can I do to secure myself? Because yeah. they are similarly targeted. Yeah. If you're a small fish, it's much easier for you for them to uh, target, right? And they, they are targeted They already. are targeted, yep. yeah. Uh, they are. And every country you go, SME space is the highest number of uh, organizations in any country. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. The country depends, uh, you can count on finger how many of them are big companies here yeah. in Malaysia. Yeah. Most of them are either small or medium enterprise. So one piece of advice I always give them is start thinking about a platform approach. You cannot have 10 different solutions to manage your environment and security. And which is which is the research says, right? On an average organization with 1,000 employees, they have at least 25 to 30 different IT and security uh, products. Mm -hmm. Imagine when you have these many products. They don't integrate well. They don't talk to each other in terms of threat sharing. And you don't have enough manpower to manage these 30 different solutions. How yeah. many people are you going to hire if you have a thousand employee company? Yeah. Not possible for you to manage all that. And now it's costly to outsource as well. Mm -hmm. And the outsource company will charge you based on the number of product you have in your environment. Yeah. So my first piece of advice is always think about having a platform approach. Think about a platform such as Microsoft, which is a single platform 
can provide you uh, or we, we call it do more with less. You can do a lot of activity by using a simple product, uh, uh, for example, Windows operating system, Windows 10, Windows uh, 11, which has a built-in 15 different security solutions, a part of it. Different antivirus, as a home user, you get it for free, does does the job. You have the encryption available on your hard disk, again, again for free, part of the OS. So there are a number of such features which comes as a service of an OS, rather than you building and blotting uh, another product on your OS. Just bolting bolt, it on. Keep bolting it on and yeah. it becomes so complex the machine is slow you don't know what's happening which yeah. product miss out which threat so first thing platform approach use a platform approach you can manage it with the minimum number of resources on your side because it's a single platform same technology provider very easy for you to manage mm. they integrate well they, they share the threat intel on that and it comes with a built-in very simple features which they have to just watch out to such a dashboard. For example, if they are using M365 today, we provide something called Secure Score, which is your report card. How healthy is your security? And, and that's from the cybersecurity assessment things that you're offering. No, right? that, that's a f- kind of an activity you do it. Okay. But yeah, that's a separate part. Okay. But if you want to, uh, of course, Microsoft provides a cybersecurity assessment, which does a complete assessment for you as a manpower and gives you a report. But to add something on your own, if you want to manage security on your own and you want to know how secure I am, we have something called Secure Score as a part of security.microsoft.com. That's a portal, uh, if any customer who is using, irrespective of what license you have. You go to security.microsoft.com, click on a tab called Secure Score. It gives you a report card, how healthy you are, how many controls you have enabled, which is giving you better security, and what are the top 10 recommendation or 20 recommendation according to Microsoft mm. security benchmark, mm. which you need to fix it. Mm. Over the top of that, it also gives you kind of a benchmark. We all love benchmark, right? How my kid report card compared to my neighbor. So it gives you a comparison that this is your 46% of the security score. But hey, do you know that similar size of a company with a similar license they own, their score is 55. So right. you need to buckle up. Right, right. So we give you that kind of an assessment for free as a part of secure score, apart from what you talk about, which is a separate activity, doing a security assessment for you. That's a that's a whole together a different. Uh, I, I think yeah. the idea of you have to buck up, you know, yes. the idea of comparing somebody also yes. to your neighbor is, is encouragement for a lot of people. Yep, you know, it is. It, does that work then? You know? It is, and right. you'll be surprised how many insurance company will reduce your premium ah. of cyber insurance based on that score. Right. There are uh, top uh, insurance companies in uh, Australia and Europe and UK and, and all. They ask for that. Score. They ask for a secure score. Show us your Microsoft secure score, and you will decide your premium based on that. That's very interesting. So it, uh, it is a I, I, very I've positive. I've heard of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew this thing existed, but I didn't realize that insurance companies no. were going out and using it as mm. evidence. I remember as a practitioner, insurance companies used to ask me, do you have a pen test report? Can you show the pen test report? Show me the internal audit report. Yeah. Now they've added one more line. Show me the secure score because it is a real time ongoing. Right. Pen test could be one, one year old or six months old. Yeah. This is on a real time. They, it comes with a date and time right. and comparison as well. Why are your score less than others? Can you justify why your score is low? Right. Right. What are you, what are you not doing? What you're not, why are you not doing it? Yeah. Are you using third-party tool? Which yeah. you, they can. Yeah. Simple example is Microsoft gives a recommendation, top one, enable multi-factor authentication. Yeah. But you may be using non-Microsoft product for multi-factor authentication. Mm. So you have ability to click on that and accept the risk saying that I'm using a third-party uh, product for MFA. Your score changes. But at the end, it shows you why it changed because you have justified it. Right. 
Okay, just before I let you go, and I know we could sit here for hours <laughs> discussing this, um, we, we did briefly mention it with cybersecurity assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give me a, a little bit of a brief as to what that is? Because that's a separate thing to yep. what you were just talking yeah. about, right? Uh, that's something that companies use, SMEs use, normal yes. business. Talk yeah. me through it a little bit. So cybersecurity assessment is a service which Microsoft provides to SMEs organizations to help them uh, assess their current landscape, what they own from Microsoft, how are they using it, how well they have configured it, and give a give a good report in terms of these are the areas you need to fix to improve upon that. Right. Secure score is one of the element which is added together as a part of that report okay. as well. Okay. Sometimes we do it on our own and many times we also use our partner who are certified partner to do that assessment. So it's a mix of uh, both. We provide SME to help them quickly uh, identify where are the gaps, what further investment they need to make it or how can they improve their score further mm-hmm. with the help of Microsoft. Mm. So my final question before I let you go then. Let's imagine a, a scenario. Right? I've just started an SME. Um, I've bought myself a, a PC. I've installed Microsoft Office into it. Um, I have um, the, the OS, uh, Windows 11 or whatever it is yeah. installed. Yeah, Azure Environment, uh, for example. Yeah. Ev- like everybody does. Mm. you know. And I got myself a, a point of sale service. Everything's done. Mm-hmm. Um, my score is, is relatively okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've enabled multi-factor authentication. What steps do I then need to take before I can actively go on the internet and feel safe, would you say, <laughs> as a small business? No, no. So the threats are constantly changing. There is nothing that, that's called- That's the problem. There's nothing called 100% security. <laughs> as of today, what, what would you say yeah. would be the bare minimum that I So if you have done the bare minimum things, which is, uh, I would say, three or four things. We have multi-factor authentication for all your employee, 100% of the time, 100% of the employee. You have done the up-to-date patches. You're good. You have the right EDR, XDR to protect your device's identity. Yeah. If those four things are good, then it's all well. Only thing you do is every morning you go and look at it or on a real-time basis go and look at your score. Is it something new has been anybody in my environment which could be exposed? Yeah. Which happens most of the time, right? Yeah. yeah. You have a VM. By default, if you, if you start a new virtual machine on Azure, by default, it assigns a public IP address. Immediately, once you're assigned the public IP address, hacker will scan it and right. get over it. Right. And so you need to look at the secure score in Azure, which will detect and tell you that you have one VM which is exposed to internet, please secure that. Because we haven't created the right policy. And this can be automated completely. You create a policy that any VM will be created, by default, remove the public IP. Mm-hmm. Because that's the behavior how the cloud operates. Mm. So there is a work to be done. There is an education piece to be done. This is what the security assessment will guide you. That these are the good practice you have to follow on a daily basis. This is your daily checklist you need to go through and make sure you keep an eye and be vigilant. And be resilient, not secure. Be resilient is what we say. 100% security is a myth. But you, what you can do is uh, more, be more resilient. And I, I want to end that with a quote of uh, Rocky Balboa, which says to his son that it's not how hard you get hit, it's how hard you get hit and how quickly you recover and get stand up. So resiliency is what about how quickly you get recovered if you're getting hacked. You know, you work with that mindset. Abbas, thank you so much for that. Absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Folks, I've been in the studio with Abbas Kudrati. He's Microsoft Asia's Chief Cybersecurity Advisor, delving into some of the concerns that we have here in Malaysia and, of course, in the region. We've been looking at some of the insights into global and Malaysian cybersecurity landscapes, the potential role of fortifying security, and uh, recommended practices, of course, for organizations striving for robust resilience. I'm sure Abbas will come back next time he's in the country because I'm going to pin him down, and I want to <laughs> have a long conversation with him about, of course, the big rise 
amazing topic of the day that of course is AI which we barely touched on today oh yes and if we'd have started speaking about that today Abbas I don't think we'd have <laughs> left the studio today um, thank you very much for your time my pleasure Richard thanks for having me today folks this has been Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9 The Business Station listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.